all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me in the studio today, I have Tommy Berg. He is an exercise physiologist also in the Department of Preventive Medicine. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is exercise and physical activity. So if you have a question, um, anything at all related to exercise and physical activity, we'd love to talk with you. Or you can always email me, fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. And for the long-term, long-time listeners of the show, Tommy was my very first guest ever when I became the host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fits a little over seven years ago. And so it's been a while. It's but been a while. <laughs> at that point in time, you were working with some community fitness um, centers. Uh, and now you're with us at UMC. You just joined us in January. Yes. So um, I was very happy to bring you back into the UMC family. And tell us a little bit about what an exercise physiologist is, because I think people know what a personal trainer is and they know what a physical therapist therapist is, but they may not necessarily know what exercise physiology is. Right. So the exercise physiologist focuses on uh, chronic disease management, while a physical therapist really looks at pain or Mm. pain reduction. Um, A personal trainer usually looks at more low-risk populations, someone that isn't maybe diabetic or what have you with chronic uh, chronic disease. So the exercise physiologist really looks at physical activity and chronic disease and how to mesh those two together to help the person have a better life. Right, which is what we should be striving for because I think we sometimes have the misconception that if we have a chronic disease – we may not be able to be physically active. And there's usually something we can do, right? Always. Yeah. But we want to make sure that we're marrying that activity with whatever that chronic disease is so that we don't make those things worse and that we do it in a safe way so that you're able to continue to be physically active. And, you know, one of the things that we're really fortunate to now have is you embedded in our clinic and really focusing on exercise is medicine, which is a term from the American College of Sports Medicine. But tell me a little bit about what exercise is medicine is. So exercise is medicine looks at the use of physical activity or exercise to mediate the risk of chronic disease. Yeah. Either take someone that doesn't have you know diabetes or high blood pressure and taking the risk down using physical activity or the other way if someone that's already has that chronic disease 
to lessen their risk or even take the risk away. Mm -hmm. So lessening their A1C or their high blood pressure, what have you. Yeah. And, you know, there's a whole lot of movement uh, with these terms like exercise as medicine. There's food as medicine now and and all these different kinds of things. And I want to make sure that we're not saying no medicine, right? Medicines are important. And, you know, if you've been a prescribed a medication, we obviously want you to continue to take those as prescribed by your regular healthcare provider. But from a lifestyle perspective, we want to make sure that we are doing all the things that we can to support that medication's use, right? You know, if we're on a medicine for high blood pressure, then we want to make sure we're doing all the other things to help that medicine work as well as it can so that it's not trying to walk uphill the whole time, you know, and that's really where moving into prescribing exercise, which is kind of at the heart of exercise as medicine, that partnership between a healthcare provider and an exercise specialist to be able to do those things in conjunction with each other. So it's not just me dreaming up something for you to do from a physical activity standpoint, because um, I know the I know the literature on physical activity and I know how to get you started. But if we're trying to target specific things or trying to work on specific areas or just get more mobile, you guys really are the the experts in all of those kinds of things. And you can help the provider appropriately dose that physical activity, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a a shift in the way we think as well about dosing physical activity. And I have collected a list of questions that I get asked almost on a daily basis in Lifestyle Medicine Clinic. And I always like to bring those questions to the radio because if one or two patients are asking me those questions in clinic, then more people are thinking or wanting to know the answers to those questions. And they may not ever get to us in Lifestyle Medicine Clinic, although we would love to see them. Um, So we'll start to go through those uh, compilation of questions while we're waiting on callers. So the first one is, how often should I exercise and how long do I need to be doing it for? So that's a really good question to start with because there's the recommendation is 150 minutes of physical activity a week. Now, physical activity is defined as any movement that makes your body work harder than at rest. So that could be walking in the store, um, anything basically where you're moving. Mm-hmm. Now, the the kind of caveat with 150 minutes a week is where are you at now? Right. If you're someone that's only doing 10, 15 minutes a week, your knee or hip or whatever is bothering you and you're kind of limited, what can we do for that? Because we don't want to discourage the patient by saying 150 minutes and they're, right. they're not there. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do. And a lot of the research is showing that any increase from a sedentary lifestyle to increase in physical activity, there's a big increase in in health outcomes. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't want to focus on 150 minutes is the only thing we have. We want to get there, yes, but working towards that's important. So when I have patients ask me that, it's always where are you at now? Mm-hmm. And I want to see about a 10% increase or so. Uh, step counts is really good because most people have that tracked on their smartphone anyway. So if we can increase by roughly 10%, that's a big chunk that you should see some health outcomes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I love a step counter, too, uh, because a lot of times patients will tell me, well, I'm really active at work or I walk a lot. And you you may be or you may kind of overestimate how active you are at work. And so just tracking for a couple of days, I'm not asking you to, to get obsessed about it, but just tracking for a couple of days on maybe days where you feel like you were more active and then some of the days where you didn't feel as active and see where we are because if we're hitting you know 
six, seven, eight thousand steps, yeah, you are pretty active at work. But if we're one, two, three thousand steps, not as much activity as as we thought. And again, that doesn't mean we go from three thousand to ten thousand overnight. But like you, I like a ten percent increase. So I usually will say, well, let's get to you know thirty three hundred steps if we're getting um, three thousand, because any additional movement is beneficial. And you know the messaging around the 150 minutes a day. Um, I think it's important that we make sure that we think about that. Those guidelines are to be applied at the population level, right? So when we're giving general guidance to large groups of people, those are kind of the goals that that we're striving for. But then when we're talking about individual people, we have to think about how. Yes, we ultimately get there, maybe hopefully, but not discouraging all the other minutes and steps that it can take uh, that, that are beneficial for you up up to there. And when you actually look at the literature, which you and I sat down mm-hmm. and looked at some of the studies last week, you see some pretty dramatic reduction in what we call all-cause mortality, which means dying of, of anything, with, with just a few minutes mm-hmm. uh, of walking a day, with about 10 minutes you know, per day, dramatic improvements. And then you start to see the the level kind of continue to decrease till we get to that 150 and even a little bit bit farther out out from there. But the most dramatic improvement is with much less than 150 minutes a day. So I know when I think about being physically active and I've been having multiple orthopedic issues of late um, you know, thinking about getting back to 150 minutes can seem really daunting. I'm like, I can't walk for 30 minutes at you know at a time or run for for 30 minutes at a time right now. But I can go do this, right? I can go for five minutes or 10 minutes, those types of things. And that's really where prescribing physical activity can come into play. So that we're really individualizing it around mm-hmm. uh, around folks. So you know, you mentioned uh, kind of what the definition of physical activity is. Is that different than the definition of exercise? Yes. Exercise is planned physical activity. So it's planned. It has a structure to it. Mm -hmm. Physical activity could just be walking to work. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily planned. Yes, you have to go to work, but it's not planned per se. Mm -hmm. Exercise has a little bit more program to it, a little bit more intent. Usually exercise also looks at like the components of fitness that you're trying to increase, like strength, endurance, balance, any of that stuff. Because when you're just walking in the grocery store, you're not really thinking, I'm going to increase my endurance. You're just walking. Right. You're not speed walking around, around right. the grocery store. I mean, you can, but people are probably going, they're probably <laughs> going to take a peep at you. Right. And that's okay. I don't care if people look at me. Um, but you also will probably play bumper buggies, which nobody needs in uh, in Walmart. Before we go to our first break, I do want to get this one additional question in because I think it fits very well with uh, how often and how long. What time of the day is best to exercise? The time of the day is really up to you. You know, if, you, if you're a morning person, go for it. If I am you, not. If you enjoy <laughs> nights, go for it. It doesn't, the time of the day doesn't matter. The length of the physical activity does not matter. If you can fit in two or three minutes here or there, it will all add up to, you know, the grand total of the day. Mm-hmm. So just squeeze it in when you can throughout the day. Yeah. And, you know, you can get too bogged down in what the quote unquote perfect physical activity is or perfect exercise session is. And you'll might burn a few more calories if you do it at this different time of day. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how perfect something is if it does not fit into your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. 
while mm-hmm. or if it stresses you out more. Like if I had to wake up at four in the morning to exercise, I would not be a nice person, I don't think. Uh, and so that it would stress me out more. It would change my sleep routine, which is going to change the amount of time I spend with my kids and all those different kinds of things. So morning workouts are not for me. I'm an afternoon, uh, you know, afternoon, early evening kind of girly there. And we are talking all about exercise and physical activity. So if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I really want to get more physically active, but I'm not sure how to start, or I got these aches and pains and I don't know which exercise might be right for me, now's the time to give us a call. All right, before the break, you talked about the the definition between physical activity and exercise. And you said exercise is more structured and starts to include some different components, right? And you mentioned strength and cardio and those kinds of stuff. What are the components, all of them, to exercise and do we need to be doing them all? So there's uh, flexibility, there's um, strength training, there's endurance training, there's uh, cardiorespiratory training, and you need to be doing all of them to an extent. It kind of depends your goals, of course. Um, you know, if you take a runner per se, they may not look at as much strength training, but this is a general population kind of mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at more like exercise physiologists, they kind of look at what does my patient need? Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, most patients that come to our clinic, um, most of them are need a strength training because they have a deficit while getting up from a chair or something of that nature. They can't bend over correctly without mm-hmm. pain. So we're able to kind of look at that like functional movement. How can we increase that without pain? Let's let's hang on to that word for a second, because that's a buzzword that you'll see kind of floating around um, different uh, social media sites or even on the fronts of magazines. When you're standing in the grocery line, you'll see functional movement. What is functional movement? So my definition of functional movement is something that looks like a daily movement. Mm. Right. So like um, a squat is very similar to getting down to a chair and standing back up. Mm -hmm. Right. So we do that. I don't know, several times the other day. And we want that movement to be comfortable. We want it to be successful. Um, If a patient has, like, say, balance issues, they may not be very comfortable with it. And we can look at how they're actually moving and making sure that is a good, safe movement for them. Mm -hmm. You know, a squat is a perfect example of that. We think of getting, you know, getting up and down from the chair, getting out of the bed, that kind of stuff. But it's also getting to the toilet. And, and sitting down. I mean, that is, right. that's a squat. And so translating that into structured physical activity to improve that functional movement so that you're able to sit down on the toilet and get up off the toilet, right? Um, we were talking about uh, picking things up off the ground the other day. You know, that's a, a fairly uh, routine thing as well, even if it's not you know, moving big things, you know, you drop your ink pen on the floor and you got to pin down and bend down and pick it up. Or you need to bend down and tie your shoes, you know, all of those different kinds of things. And there are exercises that go along with each one of those movements to keep those muscles and tendons and ligaments and all the things that go together working how they're supposed to, right? Right. And that's the the beauty of having an exercise physiologist. You know, I had a um, a sweet patient last week who was like, I'm afraid if I fall down, I won't be able to get up. And I was like, I got the person to talk to you, right? Not only can we work on hopefully keeping you from falling, doing a lot of balance training and those kinds of things, but how would we go about getting up if we were falling? Do we have the strength to be able to do that? And if not, how do we design a program to intentionally work on those different types of things. And I feel like in in exercise land, we 
kind of harp on that cardio piece, that 150 minutes, right? That's what mm-hmm. we talked about at the beginning, that, that 150 minutes. And that's that's cardio. So that's getting, which normally we think of being things like walking, running, um, biking, dancing, swimming, rowing, you know, all, all those things that get your heart rate going and that kind of stuff. And we don't give quite as much um, airtime to things like strength training. And so I think... You know, even when people consider themselves to be very physically active, when we break it down into those components and look at it, a lot of those folks are not focusing in on the strength training part of it. And a lot of women in particular are not focusing in on the strength uh, training part um, because we have this misconception that it's going to make us bulky, right, yeah. or make us get get too muscular. And that's not at all maybe what our goals are, but it's also not at all true if we build our program the correct way. Before we dig into why strength training is so important and how we do it, we do have a caller on the line. We'll go to um, Gloucester, Mississippi and say, good morning, Vivian. How can we help you? Good morning. I wanted to know, just to confirm, did sure. Dr. Bird say 150 minutes per week or 150 minutes per day? It is per week. That is a good distinction to make there because we'd be running your ragged trying to get 150 minutes per day. You'd be mad at me. So 150 <laughs> minutes per week. Um, we often think of that being broken down into 30-minute segments five days of the week, but it does not have to be uh, done that way. Um, it can be uh, acquired however we would like to, but that's a really important um, clarification there. Anything else we can do for you? No, that'll be all. Have a great day. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for giving us a call. That was an important question. And it also depends what intensity we're at, too. You know, that 150 minutes per week is at a moderate intensity exercise or or kind of um, stress which we use the talk test with patients that that's um, an easier way to, to recommend, you know, light intensity is no changes in your ability to talk. You, you can sing if you want to. That moderate intensity is more um, you can still talk, but you can't sing. And then that vigorous intensity is more like you got to kind of pause in between some of your words there. And if you're if you're able to and you enjoy working at the vigorous intensity, then it's less than 150 minutes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 60 to 70 minutes. Yeah. So uh, kind of a you get more uh, bang for your buck there. But if it causes you injury or makes you hate it, then that's not what we want you um, exercising at. All right. Strength training. Immediately when I hear that word, I picture a gym with weight machines and dumbbells and barbells and all these different kinds of things. Is that what we have to have to do strength training? Absolutely not. Most of the resistance in strength training is just gravity. Mm -hmm. So like if you're laying on your side and doing like side leg lifts, that's still resistance training. Mm -hmm. And for some patients, that's really all they need. Um, Because with strength training, all you need to to reach is fatigue in the muscles, which is just a small amount of burn. We're not trying to uh, cause any long-term soreness, Mm -hmm. just a little bit of burn. So what I normally recommend is – to get to the burn and do five more repetitions and keeping that between 10 and 30 reps. So we get some fatigue on the muscle. You have some freedom in your rep count. Um, and that allows the patient to really do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
strength is a word we've been using, and then you threw in the word resistance. And so those those are used interchangeably because what we're trying to kind of get at is resistance against gravity, right? Uh, and when we resist against gravity, either from a push or a pull, then we are strengthening the muscle. So that's why those things kind of go together. All right, we've got a couple callers on the line. We'll go down to Pascagoula and say, good morning. How can we help you? Hey, how you all doing? It's good that we had this program on. Yes, how can we help you? And I need to find out. Um, I checked my uh, blood pressure this morning. Okay. It was like 136 over 90. But I had noticed that um, when I had been down, I felt kind of faint, like I was getting vertical or something. Okay. Can it also be from low sugar? It can, absolutely. So the kind of lightheadedness yep. that you're feeling, there are yeah, several yeah. several things that can be going on there, right? It can be a low blood pressure, which doesn't sound like your pressure was low right then, um, but right. It, it can be related to that. It can be related to the types of medications that you're on. If you've got um, blood sugar issues, it absolutely can be a low sugar. So um, you, know, you can check it or you can just go ahead and treat it instead of waiting on time to, to check it if you're really not feeling well and have, you know, uh, four ounces of juice or three or four pieces of hard candy, something like that. Um, that lightheadedness can also be a variety of other things like fluid in our ears or... Um, pardon? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're okay. Yeah. Oh, so, um, but I, yeah, I took a look. Cranberry juice. Uh-huh. I felt faint, but I didn't didn't, down, didn't. you know, mm-hmm. but it kind of... When I hit when I hit when I put my pillow my head on the pillow I started spinning a little bit. Okay. So that's why I thought, oh. So is when you yeah that. when you were laying down that sounds a little bit more like it may be related to your inner ear. Sometimes when we change positions okay. like that it'll make some little crystals that are in the fluid in our inner ear kind of move around. Um, but it needs right. to be checked out by your healthcare provider so there are some wonderful wonderful if it should come back before right. then it gets worse or doesn't get better then you go on and go all right all right thank you so much for your call and have a great rest of your day all right we've got another caller we'll go to moselle and say good morning liz how can we help you hi um i have degenerative disease okay. and uh and stenosis and I can give the whole list of drugs I'm on if you want. But <laughs> now, I used to be Wonder Woman before all this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I can't be Bill. So what what can I do to get stronger? I, I, I want to do things, right. and I can't. Liz, what area of your spine is is the problem is it cervical in your neck or in your lower back or the whole dang thing lower but mostly lower but you know they said that well they said that it eventually will affect my whole spine Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's my understanding yeah okay all right tommy what we got for miss liz so any type of movement that doesn't hurt or make you sore for the like the following day is good movement so, like, a lot of people can just sit in a chair and just go up and down with their knees like you're kind of marching, assuming that doesn't hurt. Um, if it does, you can do one of two things. You can try to reduce the range of motion. Don't lift your knee as high. And then you can just make sure your back is supported. Um, usually people can do something do like that. that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. 
Great. I, I can do that. I'm doing it. Yes. <laughs> Great. So, and just like I said, the movement is key because we don't want to stop moving because then everything will get stiff. And once you begin moving again, it won't exactly. move as well. So just continuing exactly. to move is very, very important. Yep. And, you know, this, the second piece of that is if you've not had any physical therapy done um, or, or it's been a little while, that could be kind of the next step in asking your healthcare provider for uh, a referral for physical therapy so that you can. Yeah, I, you know, I, I had that once, but the guy was not. You didn't gel. Well. You didn't mesh. You didn't mesh. Well, I love the guy. But he wasn't as informed about what oh. I have as he could have been. Gotcha. A good friend told me of a guy in Hattiesburg, which okay. is 20 minutes away. So I, I, next time I see the, doc, the pain doctor... I will ask for a referral. Absolutely. And I really love aquatic therapy as well, if that is an option, in in the water physical therapy for folks who have a lot of back issues and stenosis, because it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off of you and allows you to move your joints to um, a little bit more range of motion. And then the key is when you finish that physical therapy, either transitioning to a home-based exercise plan that your physical therapist should be able to help design for you or then begin working with an exercise um, physiologist to continue your make sure you maintain your mobility there but we can get you moving okay okay anything will help so i appreciate it thank you you're so welcome thank you for giving a call giving us a call this morning Thanks for joining me today here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, joined today by Tommy Berg, exercise physiologist also at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we've been talking all about exercise and physical activity today, if you want to join in our conversation. All right, the famous warm-up. We always hear about a warm-up and a cool-down. Are they really necessary? And if so, like, what are they? What are we supposed to do to warm up and cool down? So the warm up is just the beginning part of the exercise to where you can basically get your body moving to warm up the joints, the muscles, and whatnot. Uh, that's going to be dependent per person and what they need. Um, a lot of times, warm up also focuses on um, people's mobility deficits. Um, that's and, a good word for me. I have right, a lot of right. mobility deficits. So that's where we can put my, that in, with right? My foot. Yes. Right. Um, so you work on your mobility deficits, and then you just make sure everything's moving well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be, once again, dependent per person because some people, their back might be a little bit more stiff. We need to focus on that so mm-hmm. the, the, the the activity will be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Usually those last for about five to ten minutes, roughly. They can be longer for some people, shorter for some people. A cool down is usually used for cardiovascular activity mm-hmm. because when you exercise, the the blood goes to the muscles that are being used. If you stop exercise instantly, all that blood goes back to normally your stomach and it can make you a touch nauseous. Mm. So if you cool down, kind of, you know, take your intensity stepping down, you should feel a bit better post-exercise. And once again, that's going to kind of be dependent. Most people don't cool down from resistance training too much because once you finish your set, you have a high intensity of the set itself and then your intensity kind of drops down. The set doesn't last long enough to have that cool down needed. Gotcha. But for cardio... Yes, cool down about three to five minutes, just descending, stepping down of intensity to kind of get you back to as close as you can to baseline. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned flexibility as a component of an exercise plan. And I see people do 
stretching as part of a warm up. Mm-hmm. Is that a good idea? Bad idea? Depends on the stretch. Depends on the stretch. I think so. Stretching is kind of like why are we stretching? That's the biggest thing you want to ask yourself. You don't want to just stretch your hamstring because you saw that you should. Mm-hmm. Now, if your hamstring's tight and it's been told to you that it's tight, yes, go for it. But you want to think of mobility, not so much flexibility. So mobility is the combination of flexibility and strength to hold mm-hmm. that position. Mm-hmm. So once again, we kind of go back to a, a squat. If I laid someone down on a table and put their knees to their chest, most people can do that. You know, their their hips clear that uh, restriction. Their knees can bend. Their back is in an okay position. Now, if I tell someone to squat down, kind of the same position if you're laying down, right? If I tell you to squat down, most people can't get there. So why why could that be? Mm-hmm. There's a, there's many reasons, but maybe your ankle isn't strong enough to hold that position, right? Or mm-hmm. your knee isn't strong enough to hold that position, or your hip or your back. So you have to look at both facets of that, and then like. Like I said, why are we stretching? Stretching is good if you need it, but don't waste time on stretching something that you may not need to stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you will look at what's your mobility throughout the day. Because if you can sit to stand to a, a, you know, a chair in your house, your mobility is probably okay. You know, we have to look at where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost never kind of the stretches that you see on television or you you know kind of that runner's lunge that right. pulling on your hamstring that stretching your arms over your head those are just you're just doing them right mm-hmm. they, they may not be targeting what you're actually trying to work on like i've got some shoulder neck issues right now so i have some targeted stretches that i do because they were prescribed by my physical therapist to target this very specific area all right we're gonna take another caller we'll say good morning shirley how can i help you Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my name is Miss Shirley. I am from Florida. Well, we're so glad uh, that you're calling us today. What can we do for you? Um, that's different channels. Uh, my A one C is flexing up and down. Okay. Um, and, and I thought it was a sixteen, and I got it down to a nine point something. I, ooh, I was parading over here to do it, and um. I started walking, and uh, I left that drink too long and tried to leave everything alone. But this is what I do in the morning. I'm seeing if this uh, uh, flag gives me. I take Jalisti. Also, I take shots. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to see uh, sugar, bought my sugar. Uh-huh. I take um, drink coffee in the morning. Okay. Is that a red flag for me? And I put uh, sugar in there. Mm-hmm. How much sugar are we putting in there, Miss Shirley? It's about, well, I take a whole big cup and I put about a fourth of a uh, cup, one fourth cup of sugar and stir it. It don't be sweet, sweet, but it's sweet enough for me to taste it. In one cup of coffee or in the whole pot of coffee? No, in not the whole pot, in I say Okay. That's a fair amount of sugar um, because it doesn't have any stay in power to it. Right. So when we think about 
uh, sugar, I like to think about it like a, a balloon, right? If I'm just holding a balloon, I don't have anything tied to the bottom of it, and I let go of that balloon, it's going to shoot straight up in the air and float away. And that's yeah. what sugar, when we got diabetes, that's what it does. It just shoots our sugar sh- straight up in the air, and but it doesn't fill us up. And so we wind up being hungry a little later on, snacking on some other things. So we need to tie something to that balloon to make it make it stay down. So looking at your coffee, right, I would want to dial that sugar back a little bit. And we don't have to do it drastically, right, all at once. But looking at maybe decreasing it by half to start with and giving your taste buds time to to adjust to that less amount of sugar. And then once you get used to that, may take a couple of weeks cutting it in half again and just kind of gradually stepping it down um, until you're, you know, you're not using quite that much sugar or switching to um, a sugar substitute. Although I don't love a whole lot of sugar substitutes. If that's the only place we're using it is in our morning coffee, then it doesn't, right. it doesn't bother me too much, especially uh, if we can get help get that sugar under control a little bit. And then making sure we eat something with some fiber in it um, with that breakfast. So maybe we have some nice oatmeal or something like that or a piece of whole wheat toast with some peanut butter or something. I don't eat oatmeal, so I was trying to find something substitute for oatmeal. Yeah. What do you like for breakfast? Do you like toast? I do eat toast. Okay. But I don't like for bread in the morning. Yeah. My problem is I'm trying to... Eat in the morning, because mm-hmm. I don't care if it's eat in the morning. Mm-hmm. I know that's a great thing. Do you like yogurt? Yes. Okay. We could have a piece of toast with some peanut butter and yogurt. That'd be pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go with something like that. Yeah. I don't eat, I eat with. Yeah. I eat a lot of rice, and I know that's too much. And it sounds like you would really benefit from something we call medical nutrition therapy, which is kind of one-on-one working with a dietitian to be able to get your blood sugar kind of where it needs to be and balance all of your nutrients. And if you're looking for a dietitian in your area, you can go to eatright.org. And that is a the um, website that you can put in your zip code and it'll show you dietitians all in your area. Okay, I appreciate that. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for giving us a call today, Miss Shirley. Thank you so much. You have a blessed day, and I enjoy you all every morning. Well, I appreciate you listening to us. All right, and quickly we will go to Bay St. Louis and say good morning, Tori. How can I help you? Good morning. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, so I have a lump on my leg, my inner thigh near my kneecap. Um, I got it x-rayed because it was hurting me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. Um, and they said it's some possible scar tissue from an, a previous injury. I don't really remember getting injured. Um, it, it bothers me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just not sure why. I just recently started trying to work out again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering what I can do to... Should I be trying to strengthen it? Um, how, if so? So on your inner thigh right near the kneecap, is it squishy or is it hard? It's squishy. Squishy. Okay. Did they do um, just plain x-rays or did they do an MRI? Just a plain x-ray. Yeah. So it's going to be really hard to see um, any kind of soft tissue issue on an x-ray. It's usually just going to tell us... Um, 
the space between the joints, whether we've got any kind of bone spurs, um, whether we've got um, any fractures or anything like that. Um, so we're probably going to need some additional imaging to figure out what that is, because in order to rehab it, we got to know what it is right you know because if it is you know scar tissue or if it's an issue with um, your meniscus or something like that then we we got to know what it is so that we're able to rehab it so that's going to be kind of my first uh, recommendation is that we kind of get a solid diagnosis on that were you seeing just your regular healthcare provider or were you seeing an orthopedic specialist um i just went into a walk-in yeah yeah, I would I would try and get in with an orthopedic provider. Um, they may be able to look at it and tell you exactly what it is, but I imagine we're going to need some uh, additional imaging on that to see what it is, and then maybe even some physical therapy following that if there's something else. Tommy, you got anything you want to add to that? I mean, if it's something that's acute like that, I would definitely try to stay off as best you mm-hmm. can because we don't want to aggravate anything. And then, like Josie was saying, try to get to a provider and have someone image it and, and really get you a diagnosis. Yeah. So not a quick fix for you today, but I think the best uh, best course of action. All right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I think this is a really good time to talk about the difference between pain and normal muscle sensations. Right. Because you mentioned earlier, kind of feeling the burn a little mm-hmm. bit. How do we know the difference between, ouch, I need to stop this and, oh, look, there's a muscle that I'm using. Right. So, ouch, I need to stop this. Is normally around joints. You know, it's going to be in the knee, in the back. Um, while the burn is going to be more in the meat of the muscle. Um, you also look at, does the pain travel? Because when your muscle is burning, you should be able to point to it and say, it's, it's burning right here. You mm-hmm. shouldn't say it's going down my leg or up my back or whatever. It shouldn't be moving. And there should be no pops associated with anything, right? Your, your knee shouldn't pop. It shouldn't... Um, with pain associated, of course, uh, it shouldn't have any additional sounds. But normally, when there's just a burn, that burn should be intensifying over time. It's not an acute thing; it's intensifying, intensifying over time, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so when we had our, our wellness centers, when I first met you, I was working out with one of the other trainers, and he was going to work my tricep, and I don't think I'd ever worked it before, and so I I felt it. It didn't. It wasn't comfortable, but it was not that, oh, gosh, something is wrong here. It was just, a, oh, gosh, I didn't know I had a muscle right there that was supposed to be doing things, right? And so that that burn of the muscle is kind of what we're going for because uh, our muscle means it's it's firing and doing things. But it shouldn't, again, pop, make sounds, be tingling, run, pain shouldn't be radiating to other places, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that is important. If you've never exercised before, you've never done any resistance training before, you may think, oh, something's wrong because, like, my thigh is, is, is burning, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it may not be an issue. What about soreness? If we work out and then we're sore, what do we do? Do we keep working out? Do we give it some time? So delayed onset muscle soreness is, is very normal. Um, usually you're looking at 24 to 48 hours after what made you sore. You don't need to work out if you're sore in that muscle group. Like if your arms are sore, maybe the legs might be better to do that day. Because if they're sore, they're trying to recover. We don't want to put more stress on them. So now recovery is pushed back a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So some soreness is to be expected. But the amount of soreness you get further out is better. 
if you're sore like the day of, you've done a lot of stuff and you're going to be <laughs> not so happy that following day. But staying moving is key, not exercise per se, but just make sure you don't lay on the couch mm-hmm. in a puddle of pain. Just move a little bit. Right. Just common movement. A stroll, you know. A stroll is great. Right. Very light intensity. You're not trying to do anything, um, but not just curling up in the fetal position and being like, oh, well, I shouldn't have done that. Right. And that, that highlights an, another point in do we need how much time do we need between training muscle groups in terms of, of strength? So the, the most recent research is just looking at when has the muscle recovered? Because we want to stress it as much as we can when it's recovered. Smaller muscle groups, let's say the bicep in the front of the arm, that only takes a day or two. Most people won't stress it enough to need three days of recovery. If you look at your legs or your, or your back muscles, those may need two or three days to recover. So it kind of depends when you feel like you've recovered. Um, the typical, like, I train chest on Monday, I do this on Wednesday, and so on and so forth, that's that's losing some um, frequency in the movement. Because if your chest is recovered by, let's say, Wednesday, why not train it again? So most of the newer research is saying it's better to train more total body each day mm. to get more volume on the muscle. Mm-hmm. But usually probably at least somewhere in that 24-hour range. Yes, like 24 to 48 should be safe for most We wouldn't work things. a group at that night and then work that same group the following no. morning. Probably right. didn't give it enough time to recover. And that may be why you're not seeing the, the gains that you mm-hmm. necessarily want in the gym because you're just not giving your muscles enough time to kind of repair themselves right. and get a little bit stronger. Uh, in the last few minutes, this is a question that or a statement that I hear almost every day, especially when we start working on someone with their exercise the scale isn't moving, what's the point, right? Or how do I judge my progress? And I think that really highlights the fact that exercise is not just for weight loss, although we kind of tend to, to lump it together. But talk to me about that. So just be, as you increase physical activity, we're decreasing you know, health risk, no matter if the weight is coming off or not. So that's an important thing to think about too. Most people that have, an, have a lack of physical activity their mobility is is lacking, their movement patterns are poor and cause pain. So that's why we have to start. We have to start there first. The weight loss from physical activity is almost a side effect exactly. of physical activity, right? So the more we can be active, the more you're going to feel better to take that walk, to play with your kids, to do this, that, and the other. So it's a it's a long-term fix. Well, I think most people are trying to like lose 10 pounds by you know tomorrow, which if we... <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, you, you can't do that. So just kind of looking at more as a side effect and not mm-hmm. worrying about the scale as much as what can you do and how does it feel? Because that, that walk through the mailbox last week may have been kind of tough, but now it's pretty easy. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a, an important thing to, to think about right there. Just what you said, not judging yourself against a scale, right? And also not judging yourself against other people and what they're able to do, uh, which in my clinic, it, you are very physically fit, my dietitian is very physically fit and can lift way heavier things than me but I don't compare myself to you guys in that that's not it's not really what I enjoy doing so I don't spend as much time training that area um, but I do want to make sure that I'm as healthy as I can be and as functionally independent as I can be um, for my life but you know thinking about well I was only able to do that for five minutes when I started this and now I can walk for 
10 minutes, right? Or I used to have to take a break between washing the dishes and folding the laundry. And now I can do all of my activities of daily living or all my chores kind of at one lump without having to take a breath. Or I can walk up a flight of stairs without having to stop halfway and and sit down. Um, All of those things are truly what our goals are getting at. And that's why working with a you know a team that is really trying to get you to what your goal is not necessarily what your goal weight is but what your what's important to you in terms of your health right right that that's that's what we're here for right mm-hmm. to to help you however it is maybe it's bending over and tying your shoes maybe it's walking to the mailbox without being out of breath all right guys you've been listening to southern remedy healthy and fit on mpb think radio i've been your host josie bidwell joined by tommy berg our wonderful producer is kevin farrell if you did not catch our show or you want to go back and listen you can do that by downloading southern remedy on your favorite podcasting app that way you never miss an episode and make sure you tune in every weekday at 11 for the full southern remedy lineup this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand